Just after 11 a.m., Dr. Payne Show, 1-855-DRLOU, Dr. Lou. Info at paincarecanada.com. Your phone calls right till 12 o'clock, taking them, got injuries, problems. Anything. Bring it on. Anything. Bad knees, Bring bad heads, bad noses, yeah, we, bad attitudes. We still have the infamous Greg Carrasco here the with infamous us. Infamous is the right thing, man. <laughs> you won't leave. Uh, I'm, you're stuck with me for a little bit. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You know, I was as I was driving in, I was listening to you talking about um, um, that with a car, if you don't take care of it, that's when it's likely going to be most expensive. That repair is always going to be more expensive than maintenance. maintenance. Yep. And I think one of your callers made the point that the human body is the exact same way. It, it works the exact same way. And that's what I'm always constantly preaching to people, that um, the maintenance of your body is going to be, you know, forget, forget the price of it, but it's it's definitely going to be easier than trying to repair anything in the mm-hmm. human body. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, your knee issue that you had, and you have some updates for us. And, and we started talking about this in between the shows. Um, and I think it's a good thing for people to listen to because you've done a very good job of taking care of your body. Now, injuries will still happen the same as in a car. Something can still happen. Uh, but in, in repairing it, it's going to have a much better outcome when you've done a good job of, of taking care of your body. So tell us. You know, it's a, it's a scary thing uh, for me because, um, you see, I'm a pretty active guy. I, I'm at, uh, when I owned the cross, CrossFit gym, I became a certified CrossFit coach. And I, I've always taken a lot of pride in being an active guy. You know, you know Theodore Roosevelt used to call this the strenuous life. I, I put myself in difficult situations. And whenever you do that and you push your body, you always walk in this injury line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I much rather get injured, you know, doing a snatch of, a, you know, 240 pounds. And it is for me to get injured getting off the couch because, you know, my back is just, you know, I tweaked it. So I was in a, I was in a jiu-jitsu competition. I was in a fight. And uh, I was placed in the wrong place on the mat. And my, my foot got caught and my knee just gave. Right. Uh, I have continued to do jiu-jitsu since, but uh, the MRI came in, and uh, sure enough, my ACL is gone. gone right. My PCL is is mostly torn. So I um, I hooked up with us with a surgeon in the city, uh, Dr. Paul Marks, and uh, my surgery is being scheduled for April the thirtieth. But uh, the the question that I have for you is this: He said to me that you know the only reason why my knee is functioning the way that is functioning is because I'm a pretty strong guy and I, I do a lot of fitness and my muscles around the area are strong. Yeah. But what is my recovery time? Because I'm 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 terrified that this is going to come in between me and my happiness, and I'm only happy when I'm active. Right. How long is it going to take me? Yeah. So so typically most um, when you're doing something like an ACL reconstruction, I would say anywhere from on the low end six weeks all the way to I mean, the high end could be some people never recover fully because, again, they they haven't done the right things leading up to it. But I would say an average of six weeks to about 12 weeks and and knowing you and and the things that you've done, um, you're probably going to be somewhere towards the lower to the mid end. Now, the important thing here is is like your doctor said, that you have good, strong musculature around that knee already because when you actually break it down and you look at the function of the ACL or the PCL, all they are really meant to do is stop your tibia, which is the bone in the lower leg, from shearing against the um, uh, the bone up higher in the leg. And so um, good, strong muscles will achieve the exact same thing. So the hamstrings are just as important with preventing anterior, which is forward shear of the tibia, as the ACL is. You and, know, they, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but, you know, the doctor said to me, you know what, Greg, you know, here is the thing. You know, I have no pain on my knee. Right. I've been walking around for almost four months now without an ACL and a you know mostly torn PCL, and I have no pain. Right. Yeah. I can still do squats. I can still run. I just don't have the torsion on the pivotal you know quickness or the deceleration powers. And if I need to slow down fast, you yeah. know the knee just goes. But he said to me. 
because it's not giving you any significant life-altering problems, if you weren't as active as you are, I would have never done the surgery. And I thought, oh, man, I'm so glad that I'm an active person. Now... Another fear that I have is 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 muscle atrophy because I already feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I fight that? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it's going to be hard to fight that because just naturally from having a surgery and, in, and the inability to move that area, you are going to have some atrophy of the muscles. Um, you will likely be able to start doing um, some things relatively quickly after the surgery. This isn't something like where you have to be in a cast for, you know, four months and you can't move around. It's a totally different scenario. This is something you're repairing an ACL. Once they put it in, it's good. Uh, then it's just a matter of moving it around. So when you look at rehabilitation, step one is there's, it's great that you don't have pain, which makes the outcome of your surgery better than if you had pain. And I always tell people you shouldn't be having surgery just because you have pain. It should be very much based on function in general. There are exceptions to that rule. Uh, But in general, it is much more important when you have surgery for the function of something. So step one in any uh, post-surgical thing is um, getting pain-free because you likely, it is trauma. It's induced trauma, It's it's, uh, uh, but there will be some amount of pain and inflammation that goes on in your knee. That's step one is controlling that, which could take one to two weeks in, in, in an ideal scenario. After that, you got to start getting the range of motion back of the knee, right? Because you're, it's going to build up some stiffness just due to the fluid accumulation. So you get the range of motion back. Once range of motion is back, that's when you go with the strengthening and the graded strengthening, right? You, you're not going to be able to do the same things that you're doing right now, right away. You're going to have to start with things that seem really petty and almost dumb in a sense, but they're going to be very important towards um, the initial rehab. And then from there, you progress into the things that you are doing now. And one last question that I have for you, because they're doing a transplant. They are implanting a graft onto my leg. Yes. So from a cadaver, you know, recycling human parts. I love it. I love it. Yeah. what is the likelihood of that not taking? Because uh, I've always heard... Or is of there a rejection issue? Is, is there, something a, there could be a rejection issue th- with that? Mm. I mean, they're going to do. I mean, they're going to definitely do their homework on trying to minimize all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I don't think this isn't like an organ transplant right. where yeah. an organ has to function. This is just simply. Uh, it's just an elastic, really. Well, a little bit stronger than an elastic, but that's essentially what they're putting in your body. So, is there the chance of some type of uh, rejection? Yeah, but it's not. We can't it's think of this kidney. like yeah, kidney yeah. or liver, or something where it, you know there needs to be a lot of blood supply. They're essentially stapling this thing in, um, hoping that it heals. And and, and again, the likelihood of this going wrong is going to be very, very minimal. That's awesome. You're yep. making me feel so much better. Thank you for caring <laughs> no about my pain. No problem. <laughs> There's where your name comes from. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Your Greg. phone calls as well, 416-870-6400, star 640 on Celsius. That's how it goes. You got concerns, questions, bring them on. It's exactly how we roll on the Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And anytime you need to get a hold of Dr. Lou when the show's not happening, it's one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com as well. So Greg was there, but we uh, we always get around yeah. to something that's been happening, like a week that was type of deal with you. What's, uh, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, obviously with the, the knee clinic initiative yep. and the PRP stuff, Knees have been a, a huge part of the of my practice in the last uh, few months, which they've always been a big part. But again, we've we've tried to focus on it because, um, again, if we can get people in sooner, uh, identify them for surgery sooner, they get better. Now that doesn't mean everybody that calls. In fact, I would say now now having done this for a few months. I would say that about 90% of people that give me a call that think they might need surgery don't end up needing the surgery. Well, that's good. Which is great because yeah. we've saved them from going the surgery route or even wasting that time. Yeah. Uh, but there is about 10% of the population that sustains some type of a knee injury. 
and for sure will require surgery. And so we can expedite that very, very quickly. Uh, but not to just focus on knees, because again, we can deal with a multitude of different uh, musculoskeletal injuries, whether it's neck, back pain, mm -hmm. hip pain, which is like, I mean, when we concentrate on that part of the axial skeleton, which is um, the, the skull and the, and the spine, we definitely see a lot of injuries um, in that, whether some being very acute injuries like disc herniations that just happen um, from, you know, picking up something or doing something, oh, yeah. all the way to chronic problems like stenosis that end up happening and the presentations of those things and all, and all things in between there. We also sometimes pick up, unfortunately, some very sad cases uh, where people have something even worse going on that may potentially become life-threatening relatively quickly. So that's very, very important that we do that. And, you know, still to this day, I'll get in people that just think they have something simple going on with them. And once you start getting into the history and you start identifying the red flags uh, and you get into the physical exam and you start seeing things that don't really add up and then you're sending them off, you know, it's good because we're identifying them and they're good and they're going to get better. But a lot of people out there are just thinking that they've got some simple pain and it's just related to a joint or a muscle yeah. or something like that. And that's not always the case. Now, again, you know, there's a saying we don't go looking for the zebra because a lot of these things are very, very rare. Like, you know, less than 1% of, of back pain is going to be something absolutely disastrous. But that does, I shouldn't even say if that's the stat for sure because I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm saying that based on my clinical. It's very low. Yeah. I'm saying that based on my clinical experience that, you know, the vast majority of people have something going on that is uh, going to be. Um, treated by simple types of therapies. And and then unfortunately, yeah, we still do get people that have something more serious going on, but they always become very thankful because it is important to identify these things because the earlier you can identify, especially a big problem, uh, the easier it is going to be to intervene and treat that big problem because you don't want to intervene at the end because usually at the end is when you can't intervene anymore. And so that happens uh, constantly. Another big thing that we've seen a lot of um, is shoulder issues, right? Yeah. Uh, I had a, a person the other day uh, come in and, and, you know, the classic example, and we've talked about this on the show several times, comes in, uh, tells his, uh, his doctor, you know, I've got this shoulder pain. Uh, doctor doesn't bother to say, hey, where exactly is it? Just x-ray ultrasound, go ahead. Uh, x-ray ultrasound, come back with the, you know, typical thing that we'll see, slight degenerative change. This is a 60-year-old individual, 60-year-old male. Yeah, so yeah. slight degenerative changes in the AC joint and the glenohumeral joint, and there's some partial tears of these mm. blank rotator cuff muscles, whatever they may be. And so I'm seeing him, and he's showing, before he comes in, his, his doctor actually referred him to me. Um, he comes in, he says, I'm here because I got tears in my shoulder, and that's what's creating my problem. I said, well, hang on, how do you know that for sure? Um, and he said, well, that, that's what the ultrasound shows. I said, well, let, let's let's make sure. So I go and, and look, obviously, at uh, first the x-ray, which shows the mild osteoarthritic mm -hmm. changes. No big deal. This is like, as this is a 60-year-old individual. Yeah. Everybody's going to have mild osteoarthritic. Yeah, everyone's going to have mild osteoarthritic changes. So scratch, that's not part of it. Um, the next thing you see is that he's got a supraspinatus partial tear. Now, it's very hard for me on the radio to explain this, but the supraspinatus is essentially at the top, deep to the top of the shoulder and runs into the front of the arm. Yep. This gentleman's pain is all the way on the back. Back almost on top of his scapula. So, I mean, just by that very basic 
point, that's not what's yeah. causing you. Like the location of the geography is all wrong. Yeah, the, based <laughs> on where the tear is and based on where your pain is concentrated, we're talking about two totally different things. In fact, as I went further, he wasn't even really talking about shoulder pain. He was talking about upper back, back. pain. And a lot of people think that that whole um, shoulder blade area is known as the shoulder. But from an anatomical perspective, from a professional perspective, we term that the upper back. So the pain was actually throughout the ribs and what's called the rhomboid muscle. Yep. So all he simply had was just a strain of his rhomboid muscle. And we treated him, he got better quickly. And he's like, so this is not, excuse me, this is not due to my tear. And I said, no, because chances are, if we took an ultrasound of the other shoulder, you'd probably have tears there right. as well. You're 60 plus years old. It's just wear and tear. It's just, you know, it's different if there's a full tear of something like we just heard with Greg, where ACL is completely torn. He remembers a specific event where that happened. Yes. Totally different. I'm not saying it's never significant. I'm just saying that a lot of the times it's very insignificant and it's very, very important to match up what you see on imaging with what you eventually will see in the clinical exam. And if those two things aren't correlating, well, then there's an issue. Then you can't rely. Even again, we've said this, look at the impression. I think we're going to break. Is that that's, what, right. that's what Jody's, finish your thought. That's what Jody's hinting at back there. Well, I'll, I'll finish on uh, after the break. And your calls 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale. You got any questions, concerns about your own pain, your own health? Bring them on. This is when you want to do it right till 12 o'clock. Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1124 on a wonderful Bright, sunny Saturday, Easter weekend, and uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Phone calls right till 12. Walter, good afternoon. Uh, How are you, pal? Uh, not too bad. I got I got diagnosed, diagnosed with bursitis about three and a half years ago in my hip. Okay. Uh, it didn't go away. I was told two or three months it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't go away. I ended up getting cortisone shots, uh, MRIs, everything. And they're saying that it's just uh, arthritis in there. Okay, so so then it's not a bursitis. Well, originally it was. That what I, that's what I was diagnosed with. Who diagnosed you with the bursitis? Uh, my doctor. Okay, and uh, and how did they come to that diagnosis? Was it just based on physical exam or some testing? Physical exam. Okay, and so you treated it, and now where is the majority of your pain in in the hip? But where in the front of the hip, the back of the hip, the side? It's right on the side. Okay, on the side. Yeah, that's kind of where the bursa is. And so this has been going on for now, you said three years? Over three years. Okay, and you've had MRIs, and the MRIs just show uh, degenerative change in the joint itself? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any back pain as well? Uh, I do have some back mm-hmm. pain occasionally. Yeah, it, m- it might be a referral pattern, too, from another area in the back a little bit higher up. If uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously very hard for me to say what it could be. There's a multitude of things that it could be. Um, I think your best bet is is if you come see me, we can take a look at it, assess it, um, and, and try to determine. Because, again, I mean, it, bursitis is another one of those things that's often just thrown around, right? Like, oh, I've got pain. Oh, it must be bursitis. Um, and then, you know, now you're telling me that you've got OA in the hip as well. So maybe there's something there. Maybe it's also important to consider other areas of the body like the low back and, and some of the referral patterns um, that are created from the low back into the hip. And, and maybe that's potentially has an effect on it. But I... I, it's something that I would have to actually go through an assessment with you in order to be uh, certain. But, I mean, if after three years, uh, what type of treatment have you done exactly for it? I've gone to pain clinics, and I've got uh, cortisone shots, way too many of them. Okay. Did you do any therapy first? Uh, yes. Okay. And the, sorry? I did. We had physio. I was doing physio for about four months. Okay. And none of that helped? No. 
Okay, yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely something going on, obviously, as you know, but I, it's something that I would absolutely need to look at in order to be um, certain, because, again, it could be so many different things. Um, I've got a few ideas. Um, if you've had it treated, you've had the nerve, the nerve blocks were done, or the cortisone was done right in the hip, or it was done in the low back, do you know? Uh, in the hip. Right in the hip, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious if it, if it could be something coming from the back somewhere and more of a referral pattern into the hip versus an actual problem with the hip. And if no one's ever kind of looked at it that way, it might be worthwhile for us to consider that. Okay, sounds great. Okay, give me a call. Walter, it's one 855 55 Just to, before we go, what's a bursitis? What a- so a bursa is essentially a fluid-filled sac that okay. usually in the body it will lay somewhere in between a muscle and a bone because imagine if you didn't have that there and over time the muscles moving on top of the bone, the, the muscle would fray and snap. Right. So the bursa kind of provides a padding in between. Now, it exists in other areas. There's a whole bunch of them, but it's essentially a fluid-filled sac. Um, and sometimes, for whatever reason, because it's fluid-filled, it can inflame, which equals a bursitis. And it tends to be mm. um, quite painful. The bursas tend to be very superficial in the body, so they're something that you can touch and kind of uh, palpate. But it's also one of those things that just often is thrown around, and it's like, yeah, you've got bursitis. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, but anything that ends in itis is inflammation. And and this would just be inflammation of the bursas. Uh, And specifically in his case, it would have been at the hip. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Take a quick one before we break. Hey, Mike, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good, sir. What's going on with you? Um, Good. I had a minor accident uh, about three years ago. Um, I've had uh, physiotherapy done in my neck. I got these incredible, painful headaches. Right. And I've had nerve burns done. I've had the physiotherapy uh, done. Um, now my thing is is that I feel okay neck-wise and movement-wise, but when I cough, the it's like in a really bad sinus pressure headache. Right. And it's, it's like a sharp ice pick stab to the side of my head. Mm. Okay. Um, and I, I'm gone to my doctors, had two MRIs done. Um, yeah, I, he gives me hydrocortone to take to, and it does help, um, to take and it stops the cough. Like if I, and I am a smoker too, which sucks. Yeah. So I have that natural smoking cougher thing. Right. But uh, that, I don't want to take, keep taking this hydrocortone stuff. Right. Have so, you ever considered stopping smoking? Yes, I'm working on that, actually. Yeah. I'm trying to, I have the vapor thing I'm, I'm doing. Yeah, the, you know, one, one of the things that I could tell you about smoking is that it is potentially the, the worst thing that any of us can do to our body, for sure. And it affects everything and often hinders the prognosis of everything. So um, I even wonder if you cut out smoking, if your headaches would just naturally get better. Now, I don't, I'm just hypothetically saying yeah, that I, I don't, I, I don't know. But I mean, I could tell you one thing that when overall you're unhealthy, you're more likely to experience pain pain and headaches and things like that versus when you get healthy. And I would say that smoking puts you on the unhealthy side, at least for the lungs and the cardiovascular system. And then from there going forward. So, um, you know, there's, I think if you've considered like you've done the therapy, you've done. Well, uh, it, yeah, I just, I, I agree with what you're saying because I did cut smoking out for three weeks and in that three weeks I did still get them. 
Well, three so weeks is three weeks is I'm not, not enough, right, to do something. Right. And that's not I, I you know, it's it's kind of funny when people tell me that they quit for three weeks. That's not that's not quitting would mean that yeah, you pause. So um I think you need to do like quitting means you need to stop and you need to give it a fair chance. It would be the equivalent True. of someone said, Here, I, I took I did therapy for three weeks after I've had I guess I guess what I'm saying though is I didn't see any difference in, in the intensity of the headaches during those three weeks that I wasn't smoking. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. like and, and I'm also, thought, again, not su- I'm not suggesting that quitting smoking will for sure improve your headaches. Right. And, and I have this conversation a lot with people. All I'm saying is that as you start to, a lot of the times, especially with headaches, we don't understand why. So if you can start eliminating the potential reasons why, at least you get deeper into understanding. So, I mean, for me, right off the bat, that would be one of those things that, and again, I don't know enough about you to to, to make right. full-on recommendations. There's diet that's involved. There's so many things that's involved. But if overall there's an unhealthy lifestyle there, um, then maybe improving that lifestyle could potentially help your headaches. But I also think you need to give it a very fair shot. But Give me a call. We can assess it and, and be more certain of that. Mikey, that number, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. And for you today, right till 12 o'clock, your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show continues. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 34, Dr. Payne Show, yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Got health concerns, pains, bring them on. That's what we discuss here. Joe, hello there. Hi there. I have uh, two herniated discs in my neck, um, and I did that about, uh, I was diagnosed with that about five years ago. Um, my, uh, I also had some osteophytes, otherwise known as uh, spurs, mm-hmm. and the only symptom I have today is, uh, is, is a little numbness in two fingers uh, in my hand. Uh, my surgeon says they don't recommend surgery, but probably one day I'll need it. Okay. One of the thing one of the things I'm worried about is what happens when I'm, you know, 80. I'm 49 today. Um, you know, what is what is my prognosis going to be as I age? Um, and uh, you know, another, another consideration is in Germany they do a, a, a disc replacement surgery and I'm I'm not sure obviously not being in in much pain. I'm not I don't think it's necessary to do anything now, but I'm really concerned about the the long term mm-hmm. yeah so i mean you're at 49 and you're worried about 80 and obviously your prognosis as 80 is not the same as as it is at 49 but there's a lot in between there too right that doesn't mean you can't have the surgery at 60 potentially if you need it i think if a surgeon is erring on the side of caution and recommending that you not have the surgery yet especially because all you've got is some mild numbness in a couple fingers you know th- there's probably a reason why they're they're recommending that because you know surgery you also have to understand that as you do surgery to an area, you also expedite the the it's it's a process to degenerate. So it's cost um, benefit, right? yeah. So there's a cost benefit. So I mean, I would say there's a couple options. Number one, I I would obviously have to look at all the imaging and kind of look at your symptoms to determine you know is surgery even a, a good option for you. But um, I think there's probably other things that could be done as well if you haven't already done them. Um, I would say that I've I've had a couple patients actually that have have told me about the the disc replacement in Germany and and it's the people that I've seen it's been disastrous. Now I I don't know enough about it um, to comment on how on its efficacy how well it works. I just from a from a purely clinical perspective and what I've heard people to report to me it's been disastrous. I think we have a very very good healthcare team here in Canada. 
um, and trying to go out and do these other things that there, there's probably a reason why they're not being done here, right? So um, I don't know about that one. Again, I, I want to err on the side of caution because I don't even I also don't know enough about it to say yes or no. Um, and I'm and I'm sure like anything, it's about finding the right candidate for that type of surgery to have the right type of outcome because that's what the game of surgery is, right? You're trying to look for the best person for that surgery to have the best outcome because everybody wants that. The patient wants that and the doctor wants that. Um, and, and if you don't match those things up well, then that's when things potentially happen. So already if a surgeon is looking at you saying, well, I don't know if you're the best candidate for me to go in and do surgery on it. I think that that misalignment um, suggests that it's maybe not the right thing. Now, there's a couple of things you could get a second opinion um, and see if there's if that there's an option uh, and maybe someone else may want to do it. Or you can consider other things that may help with that numbness and tingling. Now, again, I, I would have to go through a full history and physical exam with you to understand the extent of all the things that you've done um, and see if there's more that can be done. A lot of times you said one thing there where people say I did physio and it didn't really work. The, the more important question becomes what was done in the therapy, right? Because there's a lot of bad therapy that's done out there and it's never actually done properly. And I wonder if sometimes, and again, I'm not suggesting that yours is that case, um, just speaking generally, that if doing the right therapy is potentially helpful. So um, I, I think give me a call, uh, Joe, and, and you know may, come set up a time to see me, and, and we can absolutely go through everything and see what your options are. Yeah, one of the things somebody once said to me was, uh, if I get into a car accident or something because of my my neck injury, it's, it's more likely I could, could have a, you know, a serious neck injury. And uh, I don't know if that's true or not. But. Well, you already have a serious neck injury, right? So, of course, you know, if, of course, if, if you re-aggravate it, it could be uh, potentially worse. It may not be. But I mean, that it doesn't seem crazy to me. I also don't think, you know, you need to necessarily worry about that. Uh, you know, because, again, in worrying about that, that's where you, you prevent prog- you prevent healing. And there, it's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, if you got into into some type of an accident, could you have a more serious neck injury? Sure. Depends on the accident. Yeah, it depends on the accident. There's so many variables, so I, I wouldn't necessarily be worrying about that. Okay. Well, okay. thank you for your no time. No problem. Thanks, Joe. That number, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. More of your phone calls coming up. We'll take a short break uh, to call in and get your questions answered up till 12 870 6400 star 640 on your cell. Dr. Painshill, this is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And 1143, we'll get to as many calls as we can here. Love them coming in. 416 870 6400 star 640 on your cell. Tony, good morning. How are you? Great, great. Uh, torn uh, supraspinatus and subscapularis on the right side. I want to stay active and keep playing tennis. Any recommendations? It's been about four months. It's, uh, I've noticed the healing is, has taken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over the long term, uh, what do you recommend? So, who? So again, going back to how we we were talking about this earlier, is that just a diagnosis based on an ultrasound or something, or someone's actually correlated that clinically, and that is the reason for your pain? Uh, yeah, ultrasound showed that. Okay, but has anybody done a physical exam on your shoulder to make sure that it, that what they're seeing on that imaging is correlating with what they're seeing in in uh, in vivo in in you? Yeah, physios have, yeah. Okay, and, and then the, the physios have said, yeah, that it's pretty much related to the tears. Correct. Okay, and so you've been doing physio. What other things have you done? Uh, that's it. Just okay. physio and just my own. Sure. And so self-physio. what type of uh, physio, like what have the physios been doing exactly? Uh, you know, a little bit of interferential 
uh, exercises. Okay. Uh, the strength in the surrounding tendons, muscles. Sure. Like that. Yeah. So I would say one of the biggest things that I often recommend with the shoulder going forward um, in terms of like what can you do to prevent these things is, and it, again, this is kind of hard to describe over the radio. It's much easier to do in person or if someone could see me, but understanding the positioning of the scapula on top of the rib cage and how that changes the dynamic structure of the glenohumeral joint and, and what it does to the spacing where those tendons have to go is very, very important. And so a lot of the times what I like to have uh, people work on is, um, is scapular repositioning. So making sure that their, their posture essentially with their scapula is in the right place because if it's in the wrong place or if it's leaned a little forward or to the side, it ends up putting more pressure on those tendons. And as it does, that's why they end up t tearing and, and, and having these problems. So um, I'd say, I'd say end state, and again, I'm speaking generally with rotator cuff issues. I don't know your specific issue, uh, but what I would say is usually the last um, piece of the puzzle with those types of issues is really good um, uh, positioning and scapular repositioning exercises to really start to train your body from a posture perspective, if that kind of makes sense. Right, and yep. that that can, that can be done after sixty years of uh, improper. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Come give me, a, come get, come see me. You'll get. I'll show you. It'll be. Uh, it'll take us an hour, and you'll have the tools that you need to do it. Yeah, absolutely, it can be done. Okay, wonderful. Thanks, okay, doctor. no problem. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate that. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada dot com to reach out after the show. Another Tony. Hey, Tony. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. What's up? Well, I've got a I've got an issue with my feet. I don't know what it is. A couple of years ago, when I started driving for a living, mm -hmm. I had these pins and needles in my feet. Right. So I went to a specialist, and they uh, stuck a needle in my uh, lower uh, ankle area and said, can you feel it? And I said, well, yeah, a little bit. But uh, he says, uh, um, you've got pre, um, pre-diabetes. And oh. are, are you pre-diabetic? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, okay, so pins and needles in the feet. So again, th that's a symptom. Um, and so what we need to do is determine, okay, what's causing that pins and needles? Could it potentially be something all the way? Like we could start at the top here. It could be something neurological from the brain, right? It could be some type of neurological disease happening that's creating that. It could be something in the spinal cord creating that. It could be something pressing on the nerve root in the back, um, like, a, like a disc herniation causing that. It could be a tight muscle somewhere in between between the back and the leg all the way down to the foot that's pressing on the nerve causing that. It could be um, something metabolic related like diabetes, like blood sugar, but you're saying you don't have that. So you're giving me a symptom and right off the bat, I'm thinking of a lot of different things right. that can create that type of a problem. What we need to do is sit down and figure out where is the problem coming from. And that, and again, this is, this is the beauty of, of musculoskeletal issues. You can sit down with someone who's a, a, an expert in this stuff like me, and we can come to a pretty good understanding of what's causing causing this just after talking and a physical exam like the special the imaging the special testing it just ends up solidifying it like we get to 95 percent sure and then we do the other things just to be a hundred percent way around sure. yeah yeah but you know come see me tony that's absolutely something that i can help you figure out um and see what you need to do from there so uh but again it could be so many different things and it's just a matter of trying to uh you know rule in and rule out what the different things could be or could not be yeah, that sounds great. Okay, okay. thanks, Tony.
Thanks, Tony. Appreciate that. Is one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. We'll get to uh, Ivan here before we uh, take a wee little break. Hi, Ivan. How are you? Good day, uh, Doctor. Uh, my history: ten years ago, I had a pain in my right hip. Okay. And uh, I went to many doctors. Most of them just said it was uh, degenerate arthritis. Yep. Osteoarthritis. I'm, I was sixty then. I'm seventy now. Right. Limping, limping for four, three or four years, and pain went away. And then it happened again about four years ago. Right. Went back to the doctors, uh, went to the specialist this time, and he said, I'll need a hip replacement in about two years. Okay. And that was, again, four or five years ago. Okay. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it, it's it's definitely, I, the one thing that I can tell you is if a knee is very degenerative. No, hip. Hip. Oh, sorry, the, the hip, my bad. Um, if a hip is very degenerative, absolutely that can be the cause of your pain. So, uh, again, if, if you're interested in a second opinion, we can send you for an x-ray. Um, well, I've had all, I've had everything. Yep. I've, I've had, what I'm saying is I've had the pain, mm-hmm. but the pain has gone away. Okay. And only if I walk the off. A mile or two, it starts coming back. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So okay. how can the osteoarthritis heal itself, can it? No, it's just you're not you're not overusing. So you're essentially saying that, so if, if I'm assuming this correctly, someone has said you have osteoarthritis, you need to get a hip replacement in, right. in, in two years. And then you're telling me if you overuse that area, it's very painful. But if you don't overuse it, it's not painful. Well, th- that kind of makes sense for me, right? That, mm-hmm. that just is like anything. If you're not using something that has an injury, it's probably not going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But do you really want to be limiting how much you're walking at 72? Like one of the most important things once you start getting into that age, bracket is keeping up your cardiovascular fitness and, right. and still being able to do those things yeah, because could, yeah being yeah. active so um you know I, I don't think you should look at it as well i just won't do anything and i should feel fine but is it healing itself no um uh, it's just you're not overusing it so it's not flaring up but if you do use it it does flare up so um yeah i mean if you've been suggested to have the hip surgery if, if you're interested in a second opinion i'm happy to give that but um if if, if you've been suggested that it might be your option well, I've had, uh, like I said, had many doctors look at it. And okay. what about, I had even had an MRI. What, what, do torn and labor come up on an MRI? Yes, they do. They do, yeah. Yep. So it wouldn't be a torn and labor right? I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to assess you and understand do, the extent of everything. Do labrums heal on their on their own? Mm, ra- rarely, but they could. They could, but rarely. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. For the help. No problem. Thanks, Ivan. Appreciate that. Moving forward, you need the number. Make that assessment. Make that call. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. Info at Pain Care Canada. More of your phone calls coming right up. We break here on the Doctor Pain Show. This is Global News Radio six forty Toronto. And right back at it, Doctor Pain Show. Your phone calls uh, without hesitation. Mark. Good morning. How are you? Not bad yourself. Good, sir. What's going on? Well. I had a lower back pain from 96 onward, and I was in a car accident as well. And then they're saying the last year, they're saying it's some arthritis. Okay. And what happened is, as the previous caller was saying, is when I like to do bending a lot, mm-hmm. it just got swollen. Okay. The, yeah. And it hurts a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah, so so using it makes it painful. So what's the question, Mark? So what I'm saying is, um, because I'm I go physio, I go chiropractor, and all that stuff. I do all on exercises, mm-hmm. and I only see release when um like ease of pain when I'm 
do the physio on the Cairo. Right. And then like in two hours after, I'm back to stage one. Okay. So what's the question, Mark? You want to know how not to be like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, that's a very, like, we don't have, you know, 16 hours to do a show on curing back pain because it's very, very difficult. I would say that, I mean, it sounds like you, you, you are the typical chronic low back pain patient. Uh, passive mm-hmm. therapies uh, provide temporary relief, but then you go back to whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Certain movements, th- uh, certain types of twisting, turning, aggravate your back. You can flare up. That's, that is the typical chronic pain mm-hmm. presentation for low back, which means, you know, we have... We, we would need to go through everything to understand the extent of your low back injury. And from there, I could add things. It's so important for me to understand exactly what type of therapy you're, you're getting done, um, what types of things you're doing on your own time. There might be things that you should be avoiding and never doing that you're not doing that right now. So it, it's, such a, it's such a loaded question. But I would say that you are the perfect example of someone that should be coming to see me. You, you've got chronic low back pain issues. Um, that's, what I, that's what we deal with. That's what I deal with. So um, give me a call and and let's set up a time for an assessment and and let's go through it. It's, you know, all it's going to, you're just going to be with me for that hour, hour and a half, and you might get some some very important things out of it. 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, Danielle. Hello there. Hi, good afternoon. Hi. Oh, sorry, almost. Uh, Yeah, we're close. Yeah, this is almost the end of the show. Uh, Quick question. Yep. Um, I am 36 years old. I'm sorry if I sound a little raspy. That's okay. Really quickly, I had an initial visit uh, in February 1st for pain on the left side of my body. I drive a machine in a warehouse. I've been doing it, excuse me, for uh, 17 years since I was 20. Mm. Um, I've noticed now I'm starting to get sick frequently. Uh, March 10th, I got sick with a respiratory tract infection. I do not smoke. I do not drink. I eat very healthy. I am sick again March 28th. Okay. Um, the pain, I, I know everybody does not want to do this, but I doctor Googled myself mm-hmm. and it looks like it's coming, like it could be my spleen. The pain is so intense underneath the rib cage. When I was assessed by my family doctor, they're saying, I'm like, I feel like a knot in my back. And they're like, no, 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 that's just the muscle. Right. It's the flank muscle of the musculoskeletal. And I'm just like, no way, I don't feel well. Mm. Yeah, well, so, urination, yes. um, when, I, when, I, when I urinate, it seems like my urine is heavier and it sinks to the bottom of the bowl. I'm drinking a lot of water, and I'm not getting any better. What should I do? Well, have you been checked out by your family doctor? Yes, but no MRI has been ordered. No okay, blood work but, has been done. Okay, well, I would say that, that the blood work is probably a good place to start. I think also a good abdominal exam um, yep. is something that's going to be important. Again, I would say, you know, come see me. I, I don't special Like, what I could tell you is I'll be able to identify. Um, if it's a GI issue, I'm not going to be able to deal with it, but I'll be of able course. to identify, is this seem more like it's a GI issue or is it musculoskeletal? Now I could tell you some musculoskeletal issues can create all those types of symptoms, yep. as, as strange as that may sound. So okay. uh, it, there is the potential for sure. But, yeah, I, I mean, blood work is probably not a bad, bad place to start if you're worried about something. I mean, people who have... Something going on in the spleen are going to be very, very sick. So uh, well, I don't know, but this is weird because like I had very good health. I can barely bend. Like if we were to, if you were to give me an assessment right now, and you're like, okay, reach to the sky and bend to the left, mm-hmm. great mobility. When I reach to the sky with my left hand, it hurts, and you can mm-hmm. like right now it's like shortness of breath, and I can't even like go left. Like yeah. it hurts so much, and I don't. Have know you what been checked is. for a UTI? It might just be. It might be related more to uh, I don't the know. urinary there's no, system. There's no pain and no burning. Nothing okay. like but, that. But, you're say- but what I'm saying is I'm starting to notice changes in my body, and I'm noting it, no- noticing it very, very quickly. And I am sick again. I caught another cold. Yeah.
Yep. And I don't have children, so I'm not sure. And I'm looking for an assessment, and I would like to see you. Sure, no problem. Give me a call, one eight five 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 doctor Lou, And that goes for everybody. Dennis, I see you there. If you just hang on, I'll try to take this call after the show. And everyone else, uh, that's a wrap. Again, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Reach out, info at paincarecanada.com. Till next weekend. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.